you are listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. For more information about our church, you can find us at heightschurch.org. Happy Easter. My name is Lee. I'm the lead pastor here at Heights, and thank you for worshiping along with us this morning. And I hope that you are having a good Easter holiday so far. You know, through this time that we have been separated physically, we have found this way and avenue to be able to gather still as the people of God and and worshiping Him. I'm going to be real honest and just real transparent with you. Um, I, I miss you guys. I miss seeing you here. I miss our hallways being full with youth and children. I miss the hugs and the handshakes and just talking with you, being able to pray with you in the hallways. Um, Miss being here in the worship center with you and hearing all your voices singing to the Lord. And this week was hard uh, because I was a little down for a while and thinking, I I don't want to do Easter Sunday this way. And then finally, God had to get a hold of me and reminded me of all the things that we can still celebrate on this Easter. And so welcome to an Easter Sunday like you have never had before. We are in a new world. We are adjusting to our new normal, and we still have hope today. We still have a reason to praise the Lord today. And so I hope that you have done that so far and will continue to do that uh, through this service. I look forward to the day that we can gather again together. You know, if you are uh, new with us today, maybe this is your first time watching our, our live stream or you're back for the second or third time, we would love to connect with you. And there's two ways that you can connect with us. And the reason we want to connect with you is, is real simple. We want to know who you are. We want to know how we can pray for you. We want to know if we can answer any questions for you about your faith. We want to be able to serve you and and help you in any way that we possibly can. So here's two ways that you can connect with us so we can better connect with you. First, in this post, uh, on this post, there is a description that uh, says connect. And there's a link right there. And you can click that link uh, that says connect. Also, you can go to heightschurch.org slash connect. And it's just going to ask you for some basic information that will allow us to connect with you uh, so you can also connect better with us and we can come alongside and serve you and pray for you and help you out in any way we possibly can. So what I'd like to do this morning is open in a word of prayer as we get ready to study God's word together. So just right where you are this morning, if you don't mind, praying with me. Father, you are God. In Isaiah's vision, in Isaiah chapter 6, he saw cherubim and seraphim flying around your throne, crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Father, you are the God who spoke everything into existence. You are the God that parted the Red Sea. Father, you are the God who made the sun stand still for 24 hours at the battle of Ai. Father, you are the God that gave breath and life to each one of us. 
Lord, you are the God that raised Jesus from the dead. You are the God that Colossians 1 says literally has the whole world in his hands. Lord, we thank you for being that kind of God. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for caring for us and and helping us through this time. Lord, I thank you for every man, woman, child that's watching right now today. Lord, I thank you for those that are, are new and have been invited to watch. Lord, they were invited to watch because we love them. And Father, I, I miss my friends. Lord, I miss seeing all the, all the folks I normally see. And so Lord, as, as we are apart physically as a church, remind us we're still bonded together by the Holy Spirit. Remind us we still have that common hope in Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray for every person that's watching this morning. I pray for their physical protection against this virus. Lord, I pray that you are going to meet their needs that they have in their life right now. And Lord, above all, I pray that we can honor and worship you with the lives you give us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, I don't know about you, um, but I like a good conspiracy. Now, if you like a good conspiracy theory, because I always like a lot of inter, you know, audience interaction, whether you're here physically on a Sunday or, or you're watching online, I, I like audience interaction. So I need you to do something for me. If you like a good conspiracy theory right now, click like on the, on the video, or maybe in the comment section, type yes. Now, I don't like all conspiracy theories, because I know there's some even out there today that I go, eh, there's nothing to that. But there are a couple of conspiracy theories that honestly kind of, you know, grab my attention. And maybe there's a few that grab your attention. I, I went on Google this past week and just Googled top conspiracy theories. You know, when you type that into Google, top conspiracy theories, you get over 113 million hits on that search. And so I just kind of was scanning a couple of websites. And here are some of the most popular conspiracy theories. You, you guys have probably heard this or maybe you've thought through them, or you really like them. But here's some of them. Did we really land on the moon? Did we land on the moon, or or was that all kind of staged? Now, here's one of the conspiracy theories I honestly can uh, just nerd out a little bit on. Who shot JFK? You know, was it Lee Harvey Oswald from the book depository that day? Was he the lone gunman? Or were there gunmen and people shooting from the grassy knoll? You know, was it the Russians? Was it the mob? Was it the Cubans? Was it the FBI? Was it the CIA? Like, who really shot JFK? You know, how about this one? This is a pretty generational one for some of you. The conspiracy theory over Elvis. When when Elvis died, did he really die? Or did he sneak off and live his life somewhere else? Uh, This one kind of popped back up in the news this past year, but how about Area 51? I mean, honestly, what's going on out there, right? What is the government doing? Are they hiding aliens? Did did aliens crash at Roswell, New Mexico all those years ago? What's happening in Area 51, right? We, we, We are captivated by conspiracy theories because conspiracy theories do this. It has enough information to grab our attention, but it doesn't have enough truth to change our lives. And I want to just introduce you to quickly a conspiracy theory that's been out there for over 2,000 years ago. You know, see, over 2,000 years ago, there was a conspiracy theory that was started on Easter. It was about Jesus. And it's this. Did Jesus 
really come back to life? I mean, after he died on the cross, did he come back to life? Or is his body still in a tomb somewhere? If you've got a Bible with you this morning, we're going to ask this question, did it really happen? Did Jesus really come back from the dead? So if you've got a Bible with you, or maybe you got it on your uh, iPad there, your smartphone, we'll have the words up here on the screen for you. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. What I love about 1 Corinthians 15 is Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And 1 Corinthians 15 is a really, really neat chapter. Because what this chapter is all about is all about the resurrection. And he's going to go over parts of Jesus' resurrection, but he's going to also answer the question, what happens when you die? And so if you've never read 1 Corinthians 15, this is a great chapter to read uh, all the way through in its entirety, maybe later today. It's going to have a lot of practical parts uh, in it for you that you can look at in your own life. But what happened? What happened to Jesus? Because see, Paul asked this question in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 15. He says this, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? See, Paul's asking that question. There's, there's people in that day and time that said, Look, he didn't come back from the dead. Jesus' body's still in the tomb. And where did that start? Where did that conspiracy theory start? Well, it started on Easter morning. See, Jesus died on Friday. He was raised on Sunday. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 28 that the angel of the Lord came and he caused an earthquake that night, early in Sunday morning. And the guards who were guarding the tomb saw the angel of the Lord and they passed out. And the angel of the Lord rolled the stone back and Jesus came out of the grave. Well, now when those guards woke up, they had a big problem. The problem was the body wasn't there. They had to figure up a cover-up plan now. Because this was a day and time that as guards, these Roman guards, they wouldn't have just lost their job and gone and filed for unemployment. No, they could have very well lost their lives at the hand of Pilate. So these guards go back to the Jewish authorities and they go, guys, look, we got a huge problem. He's gone. He's not there. And the Jewish authorities, they're thinking, oh, wait a minute. He told us this was going to happen. Jesus himself said he was going to die on a cross. He was going to raise from the grave. So let's create a lie. And so they told the Roman soldiers, all right, you go and start saying this, that while you were asleep, the disciples came and stole the body. So that when that gets out and it gets circulated and it gets tweeted and it gets put on Facebook and CNN and Fox News runs stories about it, Pilate will be okay with it. The governor will be satisfied with that. And that's what you get, what's called the stolen body theory. That it was the disciples that stole the body away from Jesus. And so Paul in verse 12 saying, how can some of you be saying that there's no resurrection of the dead? As he's saying, look, I've already covered this. I've already gone over with you that there is a resurrection. Right there in 1 Corinthians 15, let's go up to verse 3. Paul says, For I delivered to you of first importance that which I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Verse 4, He was buried and that He was raised from the dead on the third day. Notice, according to the Scriptures. 
So Paul's telling the people of Corinth, look, according to the Bible, Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. But then he says, I've got eyewitnesses I could call. I've got eyewitnesses that could come and tell you about the resurrection of Jesus. Let's look in verse 5. He said, then he appeared to Cephas. We know him also as Peter. Then to the 12 disciples. Verse 6, he appeared to more than 500 people at one time. And most of them who are still alive, some of them, he says, are asleep or meaning they passed away. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And notice what Paul says in verse 8. Last of all, as he's appeared to me. So Paul's saying, look, I've already gone over this, guys. Uh, The Bible says he came back. And there's eyewitness after eyewitness who said, I've seen Jesus alive. I saw him die on a cross, and then I saw him resurrected. And aren't eyewitness accounts so important? I mean, you know, in our, our legal system, if there's a trial, we call witnesses to the stand to give an account of what they saw, of what they heard. We, we call for eyewitnesses. Don't you do this all the time as parents? You know, if you're, you may be watching this message right now and your kids are off playing in the other room and something breaks and, you know, there's a loud crash and one of you gets up and you walk in the room and, and you look at your kids, what's the first question out of your mouth? What happened? What'd you see? You know, one of your kids may say, okay, you know, Johnny did this. I saw him knock, you know, the, the, the bobblehead off the shelf, or I saw him knock the vase off the shelf, and it, it broke because Johnny bumped into it, right? We, we want eyewitness accounts all the time because there's something about eyewitness accounts that, that bring validity to the situation. You know what's so interesting about the New Testament? Is the New Testament, so you got the New Testament being Matthew through Revelation, is written by 90 A.D., The last book of the New Testament is written right around 90 A.D. Now, depending on how you work the calendar, there are some that believe Jesus died about 30 A.D. or about 33 A.D. So you would have Jesus, who died either between 30 or 33 A.D., and the whole New Testament written by 90 A.D. See, the New Testament is not written hundreds and hundreds of years after the life of Jesus. Instead, it's written in the lifespan of many eyewitnesses. So as these letters are circulating, and these people are talking about this, as these people are going through this, you would have eyewitnesses to go, yeah, yeah, I I saw him. I saw Jesus. I was there when he healed the blind man in Jericho. I was there in the crowd that day. When they, you know, four friends took the roof off of this guy's house and they lowered this paralyzed man down to Jesus so he could heal him. I was there when he fed over 5,000 of us with just a couple of loaves of bread and fish. I was there when he was crucified. And I was one of those 500 who saw him. Or I was one of those 12. Or I was one of those apostles who saw him. And so Paul in verse 12 is saying, look, let me put this conspiracy to bed. He's back from the grave. But let's, for the sake of argument, Paul says, say he didn't come back. What then would our world look like with no Jesus? 
with no resurrected Jesus, if his body's still in a grave somewhere, what would it look like for Christianity? What would it look like in your faith if there was no resurrected Jesus? So Paul's saying, you want to play this game? Let's play this game. Let me show you what it would look like. Paul's going to give us seven different implications of no resurrected Jesus. Picking up in verse 14. He says, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. The NIV says it's empty. It's useless. Our preaching is useless. We would essentially be trying to share a message that had no good news. It would all just be bad news because we're telling you to place your faith, your trust in a guy who said he was going to come back to life but didn't. I mean, aren't you tired of bad news right now? I know I am. I don't want to read one more coronavirus article. I don't want to turn on the TV and see one more press conference right now. I don't want bad news. I want some good news right now. And Paul says in verse 14, no resurrected Jesus, preaching's useless. There's no reason for it. It's empty. But notice he also says in verse 14, not only is our preaching in vain, but your faith is in vain. Your faith is useless. Your faith is empty because you've trusted in a guy who said he was going to do something he didn't have the power to do. But then notice in verse 15, he says, even then we're found to be misrepresenting God because we've testified about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise. If it's true, the dead are not raised. Paul says right there, If there's no resurrected Jesus, then we've been found to misrepresent God because God said this was going to happen, and we're being false witnesses, maybe your translation says. It's really just a nice way of Paul saying, we're a bunch of liars if Jesus' body's still in the tomb. He's saying this, I'm a liar, Paul would say, because I've said he did it. All the disciples, well, they'd be liars because they went out and preached all through the New Testament that Jesus came back to life. And isn't it interesting that 11 of the 12 disciples die for preaching Jesus' resurrection? See, if you read the book of Acts, persecution doesn't hit Christians when they talk about the crucifixion of Jesus. Persecution happens when they talk about the resurrection of Jesus. So you have 11 of the 12 disciples who die for preaching the resurrection of Jesus. Now, the 12th disciple, John, he's a a political prisoner out on the island of Patmos. He dies in exile for preaching Jesus. Well, you know who else would be liars about all this? It'd be preachers for all time. You would be a liar if you've ever shared your faith with someone And said, here's how you can trust Jesus. Here's who he is and here's what he's done. If his body's still in a tomb, you've ever shared that message, you yourself would be a liar. But you know who the biggest liar of them all would be? Biggest liar of them all would be Jesus. Because listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 17 and verses 22 through 23. He says this, as they were gathering Galilee, Jesus said to the disciples, the son of man's about to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and he'll be raised on the third day. John 10, verses 17 through 18, Jesus says this, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. 
No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord, Jesus says. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it back up again. But if his body's still in a tomb, then Jesus himself's a liar. Paul continues to say in verse 17 that if Christ has not been raised, notice this, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Your faith is useless and you're still in your sins. You know, the Bible would explain it this way. If you are in Christ, then you get what Christ can do for you. If you are in sin, then you get what sin can do for you. Okay, so if you're in Christ, you get what Christ can do for you. If you're in sin, you get what sin can do for you. Here's what sin does for you. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of eternal life is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, our, our family moved back uh, to Paraland from Pennsylvania back in 2015. We were uh, church planting up in west side of Paraland. We were starting Journey Church. One of the jobs I had to support my family was power washing. I would power wash people's homes, sidewalks, driveways. And, and some days I would just go literally door to door, knocking on people's house, you know, uh, doors, trying to drum up some kind of business that we can have just a little extra money for that week, that month to provide for us. And if a family hired me to power wash their home and their driveway or their sidewalk, they pay me a wage. That's what I earn. The Bible says this, because I've sinned, I've earned death. I've earned physical death. I've earned spiritual death. Spiritual death means this. There's no spiritual life in you. That you, when you die, you die apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. That you're in hell for all of eternity away from God. That's spiritual death. You earn that because of sin. I earn that because of sin. In sin, you get what sin can do for you. But in Christ, you get what Christ can do for you. So the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of eternal life, it's in who? Christ Jesus, our Lord. But Paul says it this way. If Jesus' body's still in tomb, you're still in your sins. You haven't been forgiven of your sins because there's no resurrection. See, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the amen to what he did on the cross for us. But then Paul continues in verse 18 of showing us life of what it would be like without a resurrected Jesus. He says, then all who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. That means this, they wouldn't be in heaven. This would be in the ground. That'd be it. There's, there's no hope of heaven without Jesus coming back from the grave. And then in verse 19, the last implication Paul says this, that Christians would be the most pitied people on the planet. We'd be the most pitied because we've placed our faith and our trust in this Jesus who said he would come back from the grave, and he didn't. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking this is the most depressing Easter message I have ever heard. You're like, why did I even log on today? 
I, I mean, some of you might even be mad right now because you're wearing the good pajamas to the Easter service. I mean, you, you put on the good socks today. They don't even have holes in them. You might even gone all out on your PJ wearing and the whole family's got matching Easter PJs and you're watching right now in your living room and thinking, Lee, you have absolutely bummed us out and ruined Easter for us. Thank you. Well, listen, here's what I've learned about life. You have to understand bad news before you ever can understand good news. See, if you don't understand what's bad, then you don't understand what's good. And Paul just outlined some really bad news for us. But then he turns and he gives us really good news. Because Paul says, you know what, that's what life would be like without Christ. But let me show you what life is like because of what Jesus has done. Because Jesus has come back from the grave. Look in verse 20. He turns and he says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Man, when I read that verse this week in preparation, I just stopped and I said, thank you, God, that Christ has been raised from the dead. If you are excited about this morning, click the heart button on the screen. Click the thumbs up button. Type in the comments, amen, because if you are all here with me in this sanctuary and I read that, I would be asking you, say amen if you believe that. Christ has been raised from the dead. That's good news. That's the good news you and I need right now. I mean, there's so much going on in our world. And you think of all the stress you're under, all the worry you have right now. I mean, for some of you, you have lost your job recently. Or maybe you have been furloughed. We're, we're entering a point now as this virus continues to go on and spread where, where some of you know someone who's sick from it. Or maybe some of you know somebody who has passed away from it. And, and like me, uh, battling anxiety some days and worry some days and stress a lot of the days. I need good news, and you need good news. And here's why this matters. Because Christ has been raised from the dead. Let that sink in. Let that get into your mind. Let that get in your heart. Christ has been raised from the dead. And notice what Paul says about that. That he is the first fruits of our resurrection. He says, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. You know, he's using a metaphor there with first fruits. It simply means this. It's a down payment. You know, if you've ever bought a house, you've put earnest money down or you've put a down payment down. A down payment says, all right, here's the first installment of many installments to come. Jesus is the first fruits of your resurrection. That means this, that if you are in Christ, you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that because he had a resurrection from the dead, you have a resurrection from the dead, that the grave has no hold over you, that the power of, of the grave ha cannot stop you, that you have eternal life in Christ because your resurrection is linked to his resurrection and his resurrection is linked to your resurrection. He's the first fruits 
Paul goes on and explains it a little more this way in a little more detail for us this morning. Look in verses 21 through 22. He says, For as by man came death, and by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all shall be made alive. Notice what he's saying there in verses 21 through 22, because as we conclude, these are very important verses for you. He says, for by man came death. What he means by that is Adam. Adam, the first man, sinned against God. And when Adam sinned against God, death entered into our world. Sin entered into our world. Now, because we sin against God, we are spiritually dead within for by man came death, but by also another man came life. And what Paul means there is that's Jesus. See, Jesus left heaven to come to earth. He came to be like us, to die for us. I love to think about it this way. God wrapped himself in human flesh. Jesus felt the pain of betrayal. Jesus felt the pain of a friend turning his back. Jesus felt sadness. Jesus cried when a friend died. Jesus walked through our lives like we walked through them. He had to deal with a world of sickness and disease and viruses and death. He was tempted, the Bible says, in all points as we are, yet without sin. I want you to think about that for just a moment. Jesus was tempted to sin just like we are, but never did. Never one time did he have a a look of lust toward another woman. Never one time did he have even a a, a millisecond of greed and jealousy pop in his heart. Not one little lie did he ever tell. I mean, if he said, look, I caught a fish this size, guess what? It was a fish this size. When you and I tell our friends we caught a fish, if the fish was this size, we do this. We say, no, it's about this, right? Jesus said, nope, nope, fish was this. Not even one little lie. So then when he stretched his arms out on that cross and God put all of our sin upon himself, he died as a sinless substitute for you and for me. He took our place. See, for by one man came death. Sin brought death to us. But for by one man came life. Christ brings life to us. But something has to happen in order for you to be spiritually born, in order for you to have life in Jesus Christ. Yeah, I was thinking about it this way. We all have a physical birth. You know, in our physical births when we're born, uh, and I brought it with me today, is we get a birth certificate, right? Here's my birth certificate. You know, when you have a physical birth, you get a birth certificate. And on this birth certificate has your name that you were given at birth, where you were born, when you were born, to whom you were born, what time you were born, you know, uh, how long you were, how much you weighed. All that's on your physical birth certificate. But let me ask you this. Do you have a spiritual birth certificate today? Now, see, in order to have a relationship with Jesus Christ... In order to have a relationship with him that lasts now and for all of eternity, the Bible says you have to be born again. See, Jesus says it this way in John chapter 3 
in verse 5. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born of the water, okay, that means a physical birth, and born of the Spirit, you cannot see the kingdom of God. When he says you've got to be born of the Spirit, that means you've got to be born of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has to bring new birth in you. You have to become spiritually alive. And so, yes, you may have had a physical birth, but have you had a spiritual birth? Do you have a spiritual birth certificate today? Have you been born again? Because if you haven't had a spiritual birth, you can't enter into heaven. You can't see the kingdom of God. You can't go in there because you're still dead in your sins. But how are you alive in Christ? How do you have that spiritual birth? How do you get that spiritual birth certificate, so to speak? Well, John chapter 1, verse 12 says this, For to all who believed in him and received him, he gave them the right to become the children of God. But you notice that verse. To all who received him and believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Once you notice this very simple formula, you have to believe in Jesus Christ. You have to believe what this Bible says about Jesus, what the word of God says about Jesus is true, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you, that Jesus Christ rose three days later for you, and that the only hope for you entering into the kingdom of God, the only hope for you to be forgiven of your sin is to believe in Jesus and to receive him in your life. Now, when you believe and you receive, notice what the verse says, you become. When you believe in Christ, you receive him in your life, you become a child of God. This morning, I want to give you that opportunity to become a child of God. The Bible says it's just that. Believe in him and receive him and become a child of God. Today, you may not have that spiritual birth certificate yet, but right now you can. Right now you can become a child of God. And so on this Easter Sunday, I want us to pray. For many of you, you have that spiritual birth certificate. And today you can rejoice in the news of verse 20, but Christ has been raised from the dead. When we pray, I want to encourage you just to pray prayers of thanksgiving. God, thank you with all that's going on in our world right now. We can celebrate Jesus today. I want to maybe encourage you to pray for someone else you know who's not received that truth in their life. Hey, there's other things you want to pray for when we go to our time of prayer, and I want to encourage you to do that just right where you are. But let me say this. To those of you that today are ready to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible promises this. That when you come to God, Romans 10, 11 says, and you come and you're asking for salvation, God's not going to put you to shame. God's not going to turn you away. I know there are some people out there that think I'm too bad to be forgiven. Or if God only knew what I've done, there's no way he'd forgive me. No, he'll forgive you. He's a kind and passionate God who cares and loves for you. And when he come to him and say, God, here is who I've been, but I don't want to be that anymore. I want Christ in my life. God's not going to turn you away. Because the Bible says in Romans 10, verse 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so I want you to know this Easter season 
that you're loved by God because God has demonstrated his own love toward you that while you were still a sinner, Christ died on the cross for you. And that's why Easter matters today because this Jesus that died on the cross is the Jesus who came back from the grave to provide eternal life to you and to me. And so I'm going to invite you to pray. If you're ready today to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to voice a prayer. And understand, prayer is just talking to God, letting God know what's on our heart and what's on our mind. And so today, if you're ready to believe in Jesus, receive him, and become a child of God, I'm going to invite you to pray along with me. So let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. If you'll just bow your heads and close your eyes, pray just right where you are with what God has put on your heart. If you're ready today to become a child of God, you're ready to believe in him and receive him in your life, I want to encourage you to pray along with me. Dear God, I know that I have sinned in my life and I'm ready to believe in Jesus. I'm ready to receive him in my life. God, today I'm ready to follow Jesus Christ. Thank you for saving me. Father God, I pray that prayer has been prayed by many of the viewers who are watching this service. Lord, I thank you for the prayers that are being prayed not only today, but all through this week as we celebrate Easter, saying, but Christ has risen from the dead. And Father, I pray that we can continue during this time where we are having to make constant adjustments in our lives to put our focus on you. Lord, we pray you will heal our lands. We pray you will end this virus. We pray you will restore life. And Father, we thank you for giving new life today to those that have prayed to receive Jesus. We ask it in your name. We praise you in your name because of who you are. In Christ's name, amen, amen. This morning, if you prayed with me and you said, today I believe in Jesus, I've received him in my life, we want to celebrate that with you. And we want to be able to follow up with you because we want to come alongside of you as a church and, and answer questions that you might have. We welcome questions that you have about faith. We want to know how to serve you and just help you along in your journey now with Jesus. And so there's two ways to let us know if you prayed along with me to receive Jesus Christ today. First, in the post, there's a description link that says decision. And so you can click that link that says decision. It's going to ask you just for some simple information, your name and phone number and email. So we can call you or text you and begin that conversation with you. Or you can go to heightschurch.org slash decision and fill that form out. And so I'm going to encourage you, if you've done that today, please let us know so we can follow up with you and help you along. Today, if you've got a prayer request, we would be honored to pray with you. When you text this uh, number on the screen, text the number on the screen and put in the word prayer, that's going to go to Pastor Jonathan, who's our youth pastor and over our connections process. And so you can text the number on the screen and text the word prayer. He'll give that prayer request to me and we'll bring that over to our ministerial staff and we would love and be honored to pray for you. So text the number on the screen, put in the word prayer, fill out that prayer request sheet 
and we will pray for you this week. I want to invite you back Tuesday night at 7 here on our church Facebook page. I'm going to be live Tuesday night at 7 here on our Facebook page. We're going to have just about a 30-minute conversation on how to read your Bible. I know many of you are starting to read your Bible a little more right now. You've got a little more time on your hands and you, know, you just might be thinking, how do I do this? How do I really read my Bible? And so uh, Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, here back on the Facebook page, we're going to just have about a 30-minute uh, conversation. And so I would invite you back to that. Parents of youth, uh, elementary age, preschool age, please note on Wednesdays uh, here on the Heights Church page, we put up all our new content uh, for your, your youth and your kids uh, for the week. And so you can come here, see that on Wednesday. If you come back later to that and you're looking for it, or maybe you want to watch what's come before, then you can find all of that content on our Heights Baptist Church YouTube page. So you just go to YouTube, type in Heights Baptist Church uh, Alvin, and you'll see our Heights Baptist Church YouTube page. You'll be able to find past services, past sermons. Uh, you'll be able to find all of our youth content, teen kid Uh, preschool content. So we love for you to check that out. Make sure you subscribe to that page uh, so that'll notify you when that content gets put up there. Uh, Next week, I'm going to invite you back here again, 1030 for our service online. Uh, I'm really excited about next week. We're going to start a new sermon series in the book of Acts called Living Our New Normal. Right now, we've got a new normal in our world. And we've got to learn how to live in it. So we're going to look at living our new normal next week here, Sunday morning, 1030 on our Heights page. And we'd love for you to join us in that as well. 